0: I wanted to have Ginny here from a thousand hours outside because it's just an amazing organization. And I also found out that she was a teacher in her previous life. Right. And so I Mm -hmm. wanted to have her on because obviously play inside is super important and how we um, set up our play space and the kinds of toys that we bring into our home is obviously super important, but getting our kiddos outside is just absolutely should be a top priority, especially um, just the way things that are, are in our society right now. So I wanted to have Ginny on, so she's going to introduce herself, and then she'll talk a little bit about her, um, her program and her, or her movement, I really should call it, because I feel like that's what it is, or what it has turned into. Um, and then we'll take questions, and we'll just chat. Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks for having me.
1: Of course. have for having me, Alana. Um, so I am uh, in Michigan. Where are you at? I'm in Connecticut. Okay. Yeah. Um, So my Michigan mom got five kids, and uh, just about a year ago, we moved to a little farm, um, but we haven't always lived on this little farm. We've lived other places in, in Michigan, and, you know, my story is not anything super exciting. Hopefully, it's not too boring. I used to teach. And then I stayed home since we've had kids. How about
0: you? Yeah, so I'm actually still teaching. Um, okay, but but yeah, okay. sorry, I'm just trying to. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> I'm listening to us as we speak. Mommy, I'm just trying. Mommy, to, mommy, how do we sound? mommy yes. look at this. Uh, I want to dress like this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Welcome to parenting. Um, yeah. you—it is beautiful, huh? This yeah. child was was put in bed. Um. Over a half an hour ago. Who needs bed? So. It's still light out. <sighs> um, okay. So, sorry. So, yes, I'm still teaching. Um, I'm still teaching. So, we'll see what happens with the uh, fall. Because yeah, kind of Sure.
1: Interesting.
0: I taught high school math. Um,
1: okay. I loved it. I love the kids. Yeah. Um, but I've been staying home uh, since 2003. Um, and... I don't know. When my kids were little, I, like, really struggled with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're, like, really relentless in their energy. <laughs> yeah. And we had three kind of right in a row. They were, like, two, one, and a baby. They were all in diapers. They were even all nursing. Oh, gosh. <laughs> wow. I don't know. I was, like, drowning. That's so, amazing, um, though. <laughs> you are you know, a rock star, and
0: you're still here, so you know I'm what? I'm
1: here. We've had two more since. But, um, you know, when kids are little, it's really hard Um, Because you're sort of everything to them. Yeah. And uh, I didn't really know what to do with them. So my story is basically that um, I was really struggling with early childhood years. Um, Like doing sort of the things that are programs that are offered to parents. Like library and swim and music class. You know. But to drag kids anywhere is a ton of work. And it was just very exhausting. I mean, I'd go to the library program and be completely toast by the time it was over at, like, 11 in the morning. Yeah. And I'm like, there's still a lot of day left. So <laughs> um, a friend of mine is, is actually the one who brought up the outside time. Um, she'd read from Charlotte Mason. Have you heard of Charlotte Mason? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So she's, like, from, like, 1900s. I mean, and she never had kids herself. Um, but she, like, she was very prolific. She wrote all these volumes about parenting and child rearing and education and so much of her stuff today now is research-backed. But she said in one of her volumes um, that kids should be outside for four to six hours a day in any tolerable weather. So, you know, it doesn't include, you know, like February Michigan. <laughs> it's not tolerable. You know, but there are so many beautiful days, um, you know, gets the 40s and 50s and above, where we really can't spend that much time outside. But – the whole concept was very new to me. In fact, I, I really thought it was silly, you know, because we do things in such short segments in America, I think. You know, we take these classes and we go to soccer. It's only 45 minutes. Um, so I really didn't know what the kids were going to do. It was a friend of mine who said, you know, I think we should try this. And so she suggested meeting at a park um, in, in sort of the Metro Detroit area. And it was, like, not a playground, though. It was just like a wide open space. So um, it was like a creek bed and some ducks. And I just – I had no idea what the kids were going to do. But as it turned out, it was like an amazing day because we brought a picnic. We brought a picnic blanket. uh, We met at 9 in the morning, and we stayed till 1 in the afternoon. And I was, like, able to have some adult conversation, able to hold my baby and nurse. The other kids were able to run around. Um, It was really – Like, as simple as the day was, it was really life-changing because I was drowning, and then all of a sudden, it was like a switch flipped, and I was thriving. And so, at the very beginning, you know, um, we started doing these days and scheduling them in, you know, with some different friends, you know, two to three days a week whenever it was tolerable weather, and we'd go to different little parks and go on little hikes, and I kind of just did it for me. (laughs) you know,
0: because I was like,
1: (laughs) it was helping like my mental state, helping me be more present. But within a very, very short period of time, I'm talking weeks, you know, I started to notice that my kids were thriving as well. So, you know, they're like um, trying all these new movements. You know, the mom, look at me, they're really healthy. They're eating really well. They were sleeping well. And, um, you know, over time, Noticing the changes in myself and noticing the changes in them, I um, was drawn to just research and books about kids in nature. So I know you're having Angela Hanscom on tomorrow. And Peter. She was one of my very first. Balanced and Barefoot. Or yeah. it might be barefoot and balanced, and I can't ever remember. Balanced and barefoot, <laughs> and it balance is, and barefoot yes. is it's a must read, it's like life changing for, for I every it's parent. It's yes, really absolutely. And I've read Peter Gray's things as well. Yeah. Sane, you know, and um, and then Richard Louvre obviously has some books, yeah. and I read you know Last Child in the Woods, and then Scott Sampson has How to Raise a Wild Child, and um, you know, it's like you have these core books. Linda McGurk has um. No such thing as bad weather. So, you know, you take these four or five books and and you learn about the power of play and you also learn about this outdoor time. And the research is almost never ending
0: on how good this is for our kids. And I feel like it's just coming. Yeah. It's every facet of development. So
1: here is this thing where we're all thriving and it's practically free. Yeah. You know? It's fairly accessible if you have the time. You know, I think there are green spaces and playgrounds Mm -hmm. all across the country for the most part. There's definitely some what play deserts they're called, but, um, and so, uh, it's just, we changed, like we started to do our life in this way that revolved around the weather. It revolved around, um, prioritizing this kind time.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So this is what we're going to do. This is something we're going to schedule in. Well, we did it for two years. And I kid you not, Alana, we did not run into any kids. We're constantly like, where are the kids? Yeah. You know, um, yeah. and we're in, Metro Detroit is populated. So, um, you know, I think, but but I didn't know about it either. I didn't know how beneficial it was. I didn't know how great we were all going to feel. And so, um, I was, a, I think I said I was a math teacher, right? Yeah. So I don't know. At some point, I added up the time that we were spending outside. We were doing these like three days a week. It was maybe 18 to 20 hours a week. with some weekend time with the family. And it came out to 1,200 hours a year. Um, and I had just read that that was the average amount of screen time that kids get every year in America, 1,200 hours. And, That's you know, so I would have probably been more like – anti-screen in terms of oh my kids might be exposed to such and such. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but when I learned that it was the twelve hundred hours a year and we were spending twelve hundred hours a year outside,
0: what was so clear to me was how much kids are missing. Like how much life they're missing exactly. It's not even just the screen, the factor of the screen actually being not so great for like their eye development and all that stuff. It's like, if they're sitting in front of the screen, then they are not playing outside running, like all of these things that are, you know, imagining stuff that they're not getting outside. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so that was sort of where, you know, it's, so we live one thousand hours outside because it's a little catchier yeah. uh, than twelve hundred hours. Twelve hundred hours outside. 1, hours outside. Um, but it's it's sort of like this. It is this. It is a way of doing life, which yeah. uh, is being intentional about nature time for kids because of how important it is. And Angela Hanscom in her book, she echoes sort of that four to six hours that Charlotte Mason talked about. Angela Hanscom has similar things in there. And she goes through the different age brackets of kids like toddlers and, and on up. And they should be playing for hours a day. And, you know, not all of it can be outside, yeah. but, you know, as much of it as possible. And so the yearly goal um, – it, it just gives leeway, right? Like today I've got old, my kids are older, my older ones. Um, the ones that were like two, one and a baby when we started are now um, like nine, 10 and 11. Oh my gosh. So today was orthodontist It's awful. <laughs> you know, we you know that's where we're Not at. And so it wasn't like an outside play day for yeah. us. Um, and so that year long goal, it helps to make sure that we do it. And I still, do it because time gets sucked away, you know, so quickly and by things that are worthwhile um, and by things that aren't worthwhile. And so having that goal, um, you know, we didn't used to have to do that. Like in the seventies and the eighties, kids just played, they played after school, they had less homework, they had less responsibilities. And they had Uh, more
0: recess, time
1: outside. Yes, tons more. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, that's it. That's kind of where it came from. It's really pretty simple. Um, nothing, you know, nothing extravagant or
0: unusual. <laughs> I know, but it's funny because it is. It's like become this whole movement. And I, it's funny. I'll, I'll mention to people like randomly, like, oh, you know, a thousand hours outside. And they're like, oh, you know, they mention like the tracker or they mention your site or your group. And I'm like, that's just so great. I feel like it's such a, It's such a simple thing, like what you said, like it's not that big of a deal, but it is because kids are not getting this. And I think that's what, what's so just incredible is like assigning like a time and kind of like ticking the box. It's almost like counter, like we want to stop ticking all the boxes, but then we need to tick the boxes if we're going to fit it into (laughs) our busy schedule, you know, because I just feel like everyone is so, you know, just so overwhelmed with work and school and this, and the lack of, you know, having time where it's just unstructured time that's not accounted for with, you know, swim class and karate and Spanish and piano and <laughs> homework. And it's just like these kids. And then, you know, for me as a teacher, I was teaching the same thing, high school. I mean, I'm teaching high school and my students, I was just seeing a lot of things in my students that I really, um, that really just made me really kind of upset just in terms of like their ability to handle difficult situations or to have you know, to fail at something or to take a risk or um, to be able to really think outside the box. And those were all things that they really struggled with. And it was like this consistent thing where I would see these kids, groups of kids. I, I had like a hundred, you know, hundred kids a year say, give or take. And every year it was like the vast majority of the kids, and I've been teaching for about 10 years. The vast majority of the kids couldn't handle any kind of activity that didn't have step by step, very like clear directions. And even if you gave the directions, they're like, "What do I do?" And you're like, "It's it's right there. Like it's telling you." And and they want you to t- they want you to hold their hand. They want you to you know. They're like, "Is this going to be graded? Is this on the test?" And you're like, "What? This is just for you to learn." I don't you know why. And so that lack of like that that internal motivation to just learn and explore new things and take risks and, you know, and, and kind of just dig deep into a topic or something just wasn't there. And I think once I had my own kids, that was what sort of started this business on the side, because I was like, as much as I can do as a teacher, it's almost like at that point they're, they've lived half, you know, they've lived Fifteen years or fourteen years, the way that they are, and it's it's hard to reverse that. Whereas if I can kind of get into the parents when the kids are younger and educate them about this same kind of stuff, like about being kids being outside, but also just about open-ended toys and their play space and how the environment is a teacher and how you can set up a space that really is you know is going to promote purposeful play and independence and all that. Um, then I'm like, okay, then maybe my kids who are coming into high school, like eventually maybe they will have these skills that they're lacking. Um, And then I started talking to other teachers and it's like all these teachers seeing the same thing across the country and in all different kinds of areas, you know, rural and urban and private schools and public schools and just everybody kind of seeing these same behaviors and then starting to do the research. Same thing about how we've changed our society in terms of what kids' childhoods look like. And so Um, I just think it's so, it's such an amazing thing. I mean, I, when we bought our house, we are, we just recently bought a house about a year ago and we purposely bought, um, on a piece of land that obviously we're very thankful to have that uh, privilege to do so. And we, we have about two acres, which is not a ton of land, but, it's a magical place for my kids. I mean, my kids are basically feral. They live outside. Um, they don't wear shoes. Oftentimes they're not in clothes. You know, mine are five, three and a half and eight, almost 18 months. She's like 16 months, I think. Um, so, you know, it's the same thing. It's like they're outside, they're playing, they're getting dirty, they're digging in the mud. They're, you know, they're doing all these things that kids should be doing. But it's so unfortunate because I feel like there's so many kids who just don't have that option or they don't have the parent who knows that that's something that they should be doing. I think, um, have you found that? Like, do you feel like parents in your communication, I feel like you have a pretty big group of people. Do you find that there's a lot of parents who still don't know this information, even though I feel like it's much more prevalent in the news and on social media? Like, do you, I feel like there's still so many parents who really aren't kind of privy to that.
1: Yeah, I think there is a lack of, there's just a lack of knowledge. And that's all I think all parents want to do best by their kids. Yeah, You know, everyone's trying really hard. You know, when you're taking your kids, you know, it's. Um, and I've taught piano lessons. I know you see that one in there. So, you know, but I would have kids that had been at school from, you know, seven to whatever. And then they went to gymnastics and then they came and it was seven o'clock at night and they were with me at piano. They hadn't been home yet, you know, so they're having these 12 hour days and you know, those parents are trying to do the best they can. You know, they have the best of intentions and you know, what happens in a society is, is you just follow the money trail a little bit Mm -hmm. and not that anyone is trying to be greedy, but you know, people put together these fabulous programs for kids yeah. and then they advertise them and the music program has great benefits and the yeah. karate program and the soccer program, they all have these great benefits. And so, but because they have, you know, a little bit of a marketing budget, that's what you're seeing, but, but no one's going to advertise your mud kitchen in the backyard. You know? I am. No. <laughs> right, and So, you know, there's this, you know, as yeah. it starts to emerge that kids need this time to play, you know, um, sort of my small piece of the of the puzzle here is just to bring awareness about the time piece. Mm-hmm. Because we don't structure our life with these open-ended spaces of time anymore, we try and capitalize on all of the time. And in doing so, we really lose a lot for our kids because they can be trusted. You know, they know. They have this mm-hmm. intent of, of what to do next. And I always love to talk about, you know, the baby that zero to the zero to 12 months or zero to 15 months. I mean, we had some late walkers, but you know, they go from knowing nothing to walking without any, no teaching. And, and honestly, the most brilliant people in the world would never be able to come up with a program for them. They can't predict the timeline and here the child drives themselves. And I think because school starts so young and preschool starts so young, we forget that these complex movements, you know, mine are starting to get a little older. It's really cool to see. So there's this book, I would say like along with Angela Hanscom's, another one that was really life-changing for me is called smart moves. Have you read that one? No, but I've heard of it. Is it by bio- okay, so okay? It's a good one to read. So her name is Carla Hannaford. She's a PhD. Okay. Um, and it's, it, the subtitle is, I think, why learning is not all in your head. And the whole book is about how like, movement and learning are intrinsically related. And she talks about um, that as you increase your complexity of movement, your brain functions better. Mm-hmm. And so while well, kids on their own, they naturally increase their complexity of movement. So everyone follows the birth to walking. But then we kind of like we forget that then kids learn how to jump and they learn how to jump rope Mm -hmm. and they learn how to swim and they learn how to bike ride and cast a fishing pole. And if and if they are given the time to climb trees and do those things, they're constantly going to be challenging themselves. Our um, our oldest two just last night we were over at my parents house and they live in a neighborhood. They have a tandem bike. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the 11 and 10 year old rode the tandem bike yeah. and it was like a really new experience for them to like get it going on their own they were so proud they can't wait to go back and ride it again mm-hmm. um and we just got a rip stick um your kids might be a little young for that but it's like a skateboard with two wheels um our nine year old really wanted one because his buddy had one and you just see how if they're given the time they're going to continue to um do these things on
0: their own. Yeah. Well, and it's, and not- there's value. Yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, we went on a hike and, um, there was some pretty like rough terrain and uh, it, you know, there was rocks and my kids, my kids are five, like I said, they're five, three and a half and, and 18 months, obviously the 18 month old, we either carry her or she stays home depending on, cause she's napping still twice a day. You know, it's like a crazy schedule, but, um, they, the, the two, my older two, we were hiking. I'm pretty sure I was with my mom. And I, I remember taking a couple pictures of like where they were walking because I had this, like, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was like an epiphany, but it was like, oh my gosh, I have to write about this because it's, it's just such a stark difference. When you look at, for example, a school building, right. Where they have like the halls and the gym and everything is flat. And then you wonder why kids are like tripping over the door the, the, um, door jam. And you're like, wow, why is this happening? And it's like, well, because they are literally have no practice walking in spaces that are not flat. You know, they, they are not, barefoot outside and feeling the little divots and dips in the grass. They're not on rocks. They're not taking like, they're just, and it was, I took this picture of like the, where, where, my kids were walking and just there was sticks and big rocks and small rocks and a tree that came out that they had to climb over. And it was just like, wow, this is, this is such a learning experience. Literally just walking in the woods, having a terrain that is different from a hallway right? For that. Yeah, and it's, uneven. it's the hallway in the woods versus it's the, uneven. the, the And just having that difference and watching them in their balance and they're hopping up onto a rock and they're having to, you know, they're running and, and, you know, a couple times they tripped on something and then it's like, you know, they scrape their knee and it's this big thing. And that, but then they're like, okay, now I, I have to watch where that, that, that root is growing. And that's, I know that I can't, you know, if I hit my foot on it, I'm going to go flying. So, it was just such an interesting, I feel like, I, I don't want to, again, it's not like revelation because this stuff is not necessarily new to me because I'm so about it. But I was like, wow, this could be a really cool visual for people to see, like the hallway of the, the hiking trail versus the hallway of the school. And just kind of putting like juxtaposing those and and saying like, look, this is why kids are having such a hard time with, um, every, you know, everything under the sun, like this is why kids are, you know, having so many issues, paying attention and having, you know, anxiety and all these, you know, having this lack of play and the lack of being outside is like, contributing to so many, um, so many issues, you know, it's so
1: just, many issues and there's, and they're, they're solved. Like, I think most of them are solved just by adding in this element of nature time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, the uneven terrain means the brain is turned on and working the entire time. And so, you know, it's like we want for our kids to have quick adaptable brains because the job market changes. And so the jobs that will be available for them are very different than, you know, what are available for us today. I even talk about my sister-in-law. She was doing like social media managing for a certain company. You know, and it's like a decade ago, who would have known what the job social media manager was? I know. You know, it, it like didn't even exist. Yeah. And so, you know, we have to account for, you know, um, having quick brains and, you know, valuing that even necess- even possibly above, like, just stuffing full of knowledge. Um, because, you know, the skills that they're going to need, we don't know what they'll be. Yeah. The, um, in that book, Smart Moves – she has this really cool stat. She says um, that elderly people who dance regularly have a 76% chance less of developing dementia. Ooh, so, okay. you know, that is a huge. That is a huge That's stat. amazing. 76% chance less. And then it's like 69% chance less if they play an instrument. And the whole point is that these complex movements keep our brains sharp. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it's that you can oh, sorry, go ahead. From birth all the way to the end, you can
0: experience complex movements if you choose to do so. Yeah, and you were talking about how, like, you kind of referenced something about like pushing in academics and learning and like education reform and you know and teaching social emotional skills and teaching them how to think in ways that are adapt you know that where they can adapt and they're thinking critically. And all I want to do is be like. Hello, if you just let them go outside and if you just let them play, all of those things would happen naturally. And you wouldn't have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on curriculum, on consultants, on blah, 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 because you would be giving them that without having to teach them anything. And it's like, mind boggling to me that that I feel like so many teachers know that. Like every teacher I talk to, for the most part, is like, oh, yeah, I know. And I'm like, okay, so then where, what, like, where's the problem? You know, I mean, I know where the problem is. We, we don't need to get into well, that. It's, but it's humble it's a little humbling.
1: Like, we're not needed as much as, as we, we, we want to be yeah. needed. And, exactly. you know, and, you know, and like we talked about before, kids can get so much developmental benefits um, in a way that's completely free. Yeah. And, and, and so that's a little place too. No,
0: Like the jumper no and the, and the bumbo and the, this and the, that, and the, that. And it's like, no, you put your kid on the floor. Literally you put your kid on the floor and you that's put the your kid best. on the grass. That's the best thing. Exactly. Right. On on a, sur- on a flat surface or on a whatever, where they can learn their body that you and you see, I remember attending my first, my first born, I was at a, um, a mom's group and an OT came and she was talking about how kids learn like through f- being on the floor and how they start to like open their fists and then how they start to touch their body and it. And like their movements go down, down, down their body. And then they touch their feet and then they roll over and literally sitting, crawling, standing, walking is all done from them being on the floor. And she was talking about how like putting them in any kind of container or you know, extended periods of time, and she was talking about more than like 15 minutes a day, really inhibits their development because they're not having. It's the same thing with screen time. It's not that it's necessarily the only reason why they're having these issues, but that means if they're in something for three hours a day, they're not on the floor for those three hours a day. So their bodies are just not developing in the natural way. I mean, right when we were hunters and gatherers, like we didn't have a bumbo seat. We didn't have an exo saucer or whatever. You know, kids were on the floor, on the dirt, you know, in the grass right. being carried where they were getting that motion right. and feeling that natural motion of our, like of the mother or I can't, I can't imagine the fathers carrying babies during hunter-gatherer society, but who knows? Um, you know, they were getting that natural movement versus this sort of artificial um, stimulation, I guess. And it's just so interesting to watch. Cause you're right. It's like a baby doesn't need to be taught how to roll over, how to touch their own. They all go through the exact same development, right? Like in terms of, okay, first they do, you know, or not first, but like, these are the things that all babies do neurotypically devel- developing babies. And then you're like, wow, they all do the same thing. Hmm. Why? <laughs> But it's interesting
1: though, I think because it's, because it's, it is fairly, it is fairly linear for that first year, right? Like they have to sit and then, but then after that, it really, um, spreads out in terms of, you know, what
0: they might do when Mm -hmm. that would really depend on what they have access to. Yeah. Um, And what they're interested in. Like I, for example, I, I remember like one of my kids was, you know, just, less mobile she she, my my youngest like she was what our latest walker she didn't walk until she was about 14 between 14 and 15 months and she wanted nothing to do with it she couldn't care less she would just sit there and she would army crawl and you know she wanted she didn't she didn't care whereas my other two my first one he was like pulling up and cruising for puffs at like you know, eight and a half months old, like I would put them around the table and he would cruise around the table to like get the puff. So he was, you know, very (laughs) food motivated. Yeah. I would be like, Oh, this is fun. You know, keep him busy. Um, you know, so I just, I feel like they, they definitely, and even to this day, he's super physical. He let, you know, he needs to run and jump and play and climb. And, you know, he gets, if he doesn't get enough of that, he'll walk up to you and like hit you. And I'm like, what? And he's like, and I say to him, like, do you need to do you need to wrestle? Cause he, it's like him trying to say like, I have to have that physical yes. component, you know? And so sometimes I'll say to my husband, like, you know, if he's, if my son is acting crazy, which kids do kids do, do that. Um, I'm like, can you wrestle him a little bit? Because he needs to get, he just needs that physical stimulation. Like he craves that. And so, well, it, you know, and they talk about point. that, that
1: vestibular sense, which yeah. is something I learned about as an adult but it's sort of like this cornerstone sense that your body knows where it is in space. Yep. It's developed, you know, beginning in utero through childhood. um, And it's developed by having those, that fluid move through the hair in the ears. Yep. Those little, those little teen ears, right? So it it gets turned on by, by your head being out of an upright position. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, childhood looks like this. It looks yeah. like what you and I are doing. It looks like and looking at to look like... It looks like video games. <laughs> it looks like you know, listening to a teacher sitting at a desk. Huh. Well these kids, like their their body is, is really has to move. They turn the brain on. Yeah. Because they wanna you know, and so what do kids do? It's like they somersault and they cartwheel and they, swing. And, they, and, they and, mm-hmm. and they swing on the swing and they throw their head back and they tire swing and they do Crazy like time. on their own, they do all these motions to get their head out of the upright position to turn their brains on. Yeah. And so these kids that are fidgeting in the desk, I mean, don't you remember? I remember being in school and tipping my chair back. Like Yeah. Oh, and like, I mean, I still even do know, rock or fidget cut, with my yeah. hands around. Yeah. Yeah. And they are like, not allowed. like put, put all four legs on the ground. But you know what's happening? And we had longer recess back then even. But
0: what's happening? And that's a lot it. more time after school.
1: Yeah, they're just they're just trying to turn their brains on. That's why they're fidgety, and um, you know, because they have this. It's different for an adult. I think kids like they're they're pruning their brain. Mm-hmm. They're like really doing hard work. Yeah, you know, they're trying to like prune all those synapses and and which ones are going to stay and which ones are going to die off. And so they have a lot to do during yeah. their childhood, and um, their body drives them to what they need for quite a bit of it.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I just, it's just crazy because getting into even like moving away from like getting kids outside, but in just like this idea of, of learning and stuff and in school and how kids are just not given enough time to sort of explore it at all, you know, whether it's outside inside, they're just, everything is so adult directed and they don't ever have this chance to just be. And then I find I've, you know, what I found, because I'm, I'm, you know, sort of new to this space and, and, you know, blogging and all this stuff and talking to parents and trying to get feedback and asking questions about what their struggles are in terms of play and in terms of their play space. And so much of it I find is parents saying like, well, my kid won't play by themselves. And, you know, and you're like, well, but how often do you, do you let them? Like, how often do you walk away and just let them be and give them some open-ended toys? And they're kind of like, oh, you know, and it's like, well, if that's not happening, they're not, they're going to become so accustomed to you doing it for them or thinking for them or narrating or just, you know, being involved in their play that they're going to sort of lose that intrinsic motivation like what you said there they naturally like you you put a kid in a field with literally nothing not a single toy and they will find something to do they will roll they will jump they will leapfrog they will find a stick and start to have a you know have a have a sword fight They I mean you you could literally have zero toys and I mean, we see it all the time. Our kids, what do they want to play with? The box, the clicker, you know, the the pots and pans, the Tupperware. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's, that's what they're naturally driven to do. And so we get them all these toys thinking like, oh, they need this for their, you know, development. And it's like the exact opposite, you know. Um, it's because someone's marketed it, <laughs> right? Say, yeah. oh,
1: you- I know. And I think there's a lot of fear. Like we don't mm-hmm. want to mess our kids up. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're a homeschooling family and um, I speak at different homeschool conferences um, and and sort of my heart, and and it works for any audience, is just to share that, you know, when when we have time and and when we just spend time together and there's no agenda and, you know, this is a gift that we give our kids and that we don't have to be afraid that we're going to screw them up just because we haven't done A, B, C, D, and E, you know, and we don't have to be preparing them for college when they're five,
0: yeah you know
1: and and really, you talked earlier about like social emotional it's like those skills cannot be rushed, no, you know they have to have time to develop and and when kids play outside and they're imaginative with their friends, mm-hmm. that's a huge gift because they're learning how to cooperate and yeah. they're learning um she- you know they're learning how to build something out of nothing yep. and keep everyone involved um So
0: they're intrinsically motivated. You know, they want everybody to keep playing. Exactly. They want, exactly. So they're learning. Like, if I, like, I just, I think I mentioned this in my last live, like my son will sometimes do something like, for example, hit my daughter where they're outside, you know, I let them play outside by themselves and she'll come in crying and he'll come in and he's like, Charlotte doesn't want to play with me. And I'm like, well, you just knocked her over the head with a shovel or whatever he did, you know? Sure. Well, that's you can't do that. If, if you want a friend or your sister to play with you, you have to behave a certain way. And if you hit them or hurt their feelings or whatever it is, they're not going to want to play with you. So that's sort of that natural, those natural learning experiences sure. where kids are just not, you know, parents are so quick to jump in because obviously we don't want our kids to get hurt or we don't want our kids hurting someone else. But at the same time, I feel like we are inhibiting their growth and development because we are solving all their problems for them. And then we're like, Oh wait, why does that high schooler want his mom to bring his project to him because he forgot it? it's like, well, because his whole life, you know, mom and dad have been there to scoop him up and make sure that no one ever, you know, is hurt and no one ever gets the bad grade or no one ever, you know, feels bad or has a disappointment or, you know, and so it's that mentality of like, of course we want to protect our kids, but we have to step back. And I I have this blog post about how,
1: I can't remember the title, but it's something about how avoiding risky play is riskier in
0: the long run. It's literally, yeah. you're you're, you're risking more by not (laughs) giving your kids that that opportunity for sure. Because in in all ways, whether it's
1: physical or emotional or social, you know, in all ways we have to experiment to learn. Yeah. And so if they're not given those chances to experiment, um, whether it's, you know, through interpersonal issues or, you know, or through tripping or or all of those things, you know, then they at the end, they really lack. And so it's really just a misguided. And I I think like, you know, 1000 hours outside, at its core, is really just a message of hope. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that we can slow down, we can simplify, we can have less toys, we can have less clutter, um, we can take less classes, we can spend less money. Mm -hmm. And, and our kids, um, we'll probably do better, Be better. Because, that, yeah. because we've made those choices and our family as a whole, you know, I, what I really love about seeing, so when Thousand Hours Outside has been around since 2013, you know, we've waxed and waned, you know, you've got like a little one. It's like you have more kids or you move or new jobs or different things. And so there has, it hasn't always been the right season to put time into it, but over the last 18 months or so, I've had a little more time to put toward it. And so, you know, you start to see these hashtags, mm-hmm. you know, from Hong Kong or, you know, from Finland, you know, and from all over. And, you know, it, it looks different for every family. And yeah. this, this becomes like the unique expression of your family. Well, you and that's it's what's beautiful about it.
0: Cause you yes. being outside can yeah. look like different things, gardening, hiking, bike, riding, Eating. Picnicking, exa- exactly, just eating outside, going to the beach. Go, you know, there's so many different things that you can do as a family, mostly for free, and yeah. it's literally just just do it outside. You know, I have there's a list a of like a thing hundred it things.
1: I- it's mind blowing to me, really, that it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. If it's a hike, if it's a garden, if it's swimming at the lake, if it's sitting on your patio reading a book. You know, if it's at the playground, if mm-hmm. if it's any of those things, kids are just going to get so much out of it, but it's it's not check the box things. And exactly. from at the very beginning, you said you were talking about the skills that your high schoolers did not have. And those are not check the box things. No. And so I feel like as a society, we're forgetting about all of these things that really matter, but that you can't really measure.
0: No. And, and it's, so it's- and like, like what you said, when you're outside, some of this stuff is not stuff that you'll necessarily see, but for just as an example, you know, when you're sitting inside and it's, and it's quiet, right, and you're taking in the quiet of being in a classroom or in a space, it's very different from when you're sitting outside in the woods and you're still hearing the sound of the wind and the rustle of the trees and the, and the chirp of the bird. And these are all sensory experiences that kids are not having. And then therefore they're not having those synapses firing and they're not, you know, smelling the, 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 um, you know, the, the, the leaves that are, that are mulching up. They're not smelling the wa- the salt, you know, the, the lake water. They're not, they don't know what fresh cut grass smells like, which is like, hello, like right. the best smell in the world, you know? So those or are things- like the, the breeze on their face. Yeah, exactly. Feeling the breeze, feeling the heat, the sun, what happens when the sun goes behind the cloud? Oh, it gets colder. Your skin feels, you know, and all of those things are that is learning, you know? And we, we do, we forget that. We're like, well, but we can't check the box that says like, Oh, kid has knows what it feels like to feel the rain on their shoulders, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, And so I think that because we've gone, we've gone, we're so report card heavy and so report card focused and, and we can't measure, we can't measure what, what's gained through learning to climb a tree and, you know, You know, you can't measure what happens when all of the senses are engaged at once. It's just like whole person development. Yeah. And you just can't measure
0: it, but it's still important. It's so, I mean, it's more important. It's more important because if you don't have those things, then I feel like everything else is just, you know, it's just kind of, it's incomplete, you know? Right. Share your um, site and your social handles. So people everything is us. just the same, you know, is 1000 hours outside dot com <laughs> 1000
1: hours outside. So we're on Instagram. I have a small YouTube channel. I mean, we're kind of like a little bit everywhere, everywhere. Mostly Facebook and Instagram and the website.